Chapter thirty two of A Woman's War by Warwick Deeping. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty two. It is said that a pretty woman is never out of patience when she has a glass to gaze at, and Betty Steele, casting critical yet complacent glasses into the depths of a Venetian mirror, awaited the descent of her very particular friend, Madge Ellison, with the sweet content of a lily waiting for the moon mrs betty's face was a diana's face but her body was of the colour of a blush rose in her summer rose dress the figure had charm enough as it idled to and fro in the spacious mellow-tinted room mirror and window showed her patronage the one symbolical of self alone the other of that same self's outlook upon life at large betty was in one of her most radiant moods a letter had come for her from her husband by the morning post his eyes were much better and there was no cloud upon the horizon parker steele's wife heard the frou-frou of a silk petticoat sweeping down the stairs the sudden opening of the study door a man's footstep crossing the hall what out to tea again in your best frock the rustling of silk ceased for a moment at the foot of the stairs betty steele smiled like a wise and intelligent elder sister madge ellison and their most stylish locum tenens dr little had reached that degree of familiarity that permits two people to spar amiably with each other a grievance as usual i suppose you grudge us the carriage nothing half so selfish i assure you why not come and pay calls with us the old proverb miss ellison a little goes a long way is that it am i so little what's in a name and she passed on with a significant side glance and an arch lifting of the chin dr little a black-chinned tailor-waisted superfine person with a distinct air proceeded on a hypothetical expedition up the stairs he had remembered leaving his latch-key in his bedroom a useful excuse for meeting a pretty woman on the way as though the coincidence were supremely natural au revoir miss ellison favoured him with an undeniable wink as she picked up a pink parasol from the hall table she was one of those women who remind one forcibly of the stage beauty as seen on very young men's mantelpieces madge ellison would show as much of an open-work stocking as was compatible with social refinement a retroussé nose and a round and rather cheeky chin associated themselves naturally with her methods of fascination madge yes dear here quick i want you bless my soul why this tragic note look the window do you recognize any one by the church railings there was a hard abruptness in betty steele's voice she was leaning forward with her hand on the window-sill her face curiously changed in its expression from the purring contentment of two minutes ago i see a solitary female dear don't you recognize her miss ellison gave a quaint and expressive little whistle no surely it can't be kate murchison by george dear it is the two friends watched the figure in black disappear under the old gatehouse that stood at the northwest corner of the square. For Madge Ellison, there was nothing more inspiriting than curiosity in the event. 
to betty steele that passing glimpse had opened up all the hatred of the past what's in your mind madge miss ellison was buttoning her gloves i'll bet a tea-cake to a penny bun dear that it is the murchisons who have taken their house in lombard street again nonsense betty steele's eyes grew hard and dangerous at the suggestion why nonsense the murchisons would hardly have the impudence to sneak back to roxton people don't care to be bungled into the next world by a drunkard my word betty draw it mild i never heard that the man drank you were in italy then i believe nasty nasty you are peevish over the poor people's failings i hate that woman madge miss ellison laughed at the sincerity of her friend's spite why what earthly harm can that woman do you by choosing to live in roxton i tell you madge there are some people in this world who set one's teeth on edge after all what need for all this waste of antipathy kate murchison must be staying with the carmagees i'll risk that as my explanation spirited away on a round of social duties betty steele and her friend paid their third call that afternoon at the canonry in canons court off cloister street a row of carriages under the avenue of limes and a liveried servant standing on duty under the georgian portico reminded betty steele that the third friday in the month was the date printed on mrs stensley's cards betty and her gossip were announced in the crowded drawing-room where a number of bored figures were balancing teacups and talking with forced animation a few men severely saddened by their responsibilities were treading on each other's heels and looking anxiously for ladies who would take pity on sandwiches or cake the french windows of the room were open to the may sunshine of the garden and the fringes of a cedar could be seen sweeping the sleek grass individual faces disassociate themselves slowly from such an assemblage and betty steele blockaded under the lee of a grand piano had but half the room under the ken of her keen eyes madge ellison had been left to chat with mr keithley a very popular and enthusiastic curate who had rendered his character doubly fascinating by professing to hold prejudices in favour of celibacy betty had a brewer's wife at her elbow they had exchanged ecstatic confidences on the exquisite shape and colour of mrs stensley's tea-service and were both groping for some further topic to keep the conversation moving and how is the play going mrs steele the play mrs betty seemed unusually pensive and distraught lady sophia's play as well as a piece can go with amateurs we all find fault with our neighbours i hear it is a splendid little play not at all bad i must say i like the pathetic style of play oh yes quite charming i saw julia nielsen play in that part oh what was the play called a woman of no ideal most likely thought mrs betty i wonder how many more times she is going to read on that one unfortunate word she waited demurely for the title to recur but it appeared lost in the limbo of the fat lady's mind the brewer's wife continued to grope for it like a conscientious housewife who has lost the sabbath threepenny bit in her glove-box while dressing for church betty steele however had become utterly oblivious to her presence for the moment 
she was gazing towards one of the open windows where a woman's figure tall and comely in simple black showed against the rich green of the grass the woman's back was turned towards the room but betty knew her by her figure and the lustre of her hair very odd mrs steele i can't remember the name of that play really i beg your pardon i was thinking of other things a slight rearranging of this aggregate of roxton culture released betty steele from this amiable mass of irresponsible bathos she contrived to wedge herself beside madge ellison whose retrousse nose had failed to tempt the celibate to expand you see a smart hat was tilted significantly towards the window i do any news you have lost dear the tea-cake is on top the sensation of roxton they are here to stay mrs betty's face expressed infinite pity how eccentric kate murchison has had money left her and the husband i hear his plate is up in lombard street whether it was a mere matter of coincidence or the working of a definite purpose the fact was curiously self-evident to betty steele that the drawing-room of the canonry had divided itself into two camps windowward sat miss carmagee dressed in black her large face shining like a buckler against the embattled foe porteus the irascible porteus who blasphemed all tea-parties was chattering like a little brown baboon several of kate murchison's old friends appeared to have congregated together on the opposition benches mrs betty remarked all this and her mouth grew a mere line in her pale and alert face the breweress had risen to depart a number of nervous people who had been waiting for some bold spirit to initiate the movement followed the fat lady's inspiriting example mrs stensley was in the garden the breweress and her flock of sheep filed through the open window to shake hands and go madge hello dear am i sitting on you whither away to pay my most dutiful respects catherine murchison and the canon had left the window and were pacing the grass under the benisons of the great cedar by the expression on their faces and the serious yet sympathetic inflection of their voices they had broken the mere social surface and were speaking of deeper things it is the fashion to abuse the priesthood in the abstract yet any critic who took the clean-girt manliness of canon stensley's character might find his rhetoric chilled in its free flow you have done the right thing and your true friends will be glad of it it was my husband's wish the wish of a brave man what a wonderful thing is sympathy you have helped me so much this afternoon it was an ordeal you know we dread the unknown uncertainty the big grey-headed man looked down at her with much of the affection of a father his hands had given her confirmation and joined her in marriage doubt is a great distorting glass he said simply the difficulties of life decrease the moment they are faced i am glad you are on our side i should be a poor christian if i were not a figure in a pink dress sumptuous and perfect as to the milliner's craft glided across the grass and cast a shadow at catherine's feet how do you do kate you have surprised us all assuredly 
the two women touched hands betty steele's drawl ascended towards patronage she assumed the air of a mistress of a salon whose salutation decided destinies and dispensed fame how is dr murchison this long rest must have done him good thanks my husband is very well i am afraid we all misunderstood your plans we thought you had left roxton for good i suppose dr murchison will not expose himself again to the strain of general practice surgical cases are such a responsibility it is the ability of women to be politely insolent and to cover a taunt with ironical courtesy there were at least a dozen people within range of mrs betty's aggressive drawl and betty steele had no intention of letting roxton forget james murchison's past and how are the children her eyes were studying the details of Catherine's dress with the critical acuteness so trying to a woman the boy is very well thanks and the other a girl was it not you need not trouble to remember her that sounds as though you were disappointed i remember how you used to read me texts on the divinity of motherhood the child is dead betty that is all i am sorry to hear that i always thought the girl was delicate canon stensley's massive shadow interposed itself between the slighter silhouettes upon the grass your husband has kept his promise mrs murchison is he here yes yonder with my wife betty steele's face was tinged with malignity that leaked from her eyes and from the sneering angles of her mouth she felt glad that Catherine's favourite child was dead the incomprehensible malice in the thought justified itself in the reflection that Catherine had lost something that she betty had always lacked she passed james murchison as she returned towards the house a man with a certain dignity of past suffering writ heavily upon his face he was talking to two old friends betty swept by him without troubling to notice whether he bowed to her or not the man was a mere pawn in the game so far as she was concerned any humiliation that he might suffer was only valuable so far as it humiliated his wife the carriage was waiting for them under the limes of canon's court madge ellison flounced down in her corner with a relieved sigh what a function well how is she charming as ever who you know who i mean betty that beast i heard you call her that once when we were at school and miss ellison tittered i believe she'll make the whole town swallow the past will she indeed you don't relish the idea wait my dear girl we have not seen the end of the game yet end of chapter thirty two